Yep. <laughs> All right. We're rolling. We've got it. So, so far, so good. Um, what are we going to talk about today, man? Oh, today's topic is one of my, one of my best and favorite topics. Get that uh, mic right next to your face, man. It's, it's right in front of my face. Yeah, but you got to pick it up a little bit. you got to be able to lick it like an ice cream cone. I'm off to a great start. <laughs> I'm already upset. Getting told how to handle my microphone. Yep. Yep. Um, so we came here today, and we are going to talk about some fishing. One of my favorite, all-time favorite activities. Like Christmas morning every time, right? It is. It's even more exciting than Christmas. Yeah. I, I The night before, getting ready, everything is stocked and ready. Yeah, and but that's just a lot of fucking work. I'm sorry, but it is. It's a lot of work. <laughs> you know, loading up the kayak, putting the poles in, getting everything together. That's right. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of setup, a lot of breakdown, a lot of cleanup. Yeah, and you had to get up first thing in the fucking morning, <clears throat> you know, just so the early bird gets the worm or fish in this case, right? All right, yeah. but uh, so what did you do with uh, fishing this past weekend? Well, last weekend uh, was the was the Calusa Blue Way annual kayaking tournament. Uh, according to this t-shirt they gave me, it was the, uh, oh, what is this? It says on there somewhere. 17th annual, 17 annual Calusa Blue Way. That's there right. You go. Thank you. I yeah. It's hard to see yeah. from here. <laughs> it was the 17th annual. Um, this was the fourth time I think I fished it. Um, this was the best time that I had. Um, didn't place in the top three. Didn't get a prize. Um, that's okay. That's not to say that I didn't catch fish though. I caught a lot of fish on this trip. The trout were red hot. Um, it is, it's the middle of November. So the trout bite was on early and all day. Uh, and then it took, we had to catch a grand slam. Had to catch the the inshore slam with trout. What is a, what is a grand slam for this tournament? Trout, redfish, and snook. Uh, Yeah. Two of my favorite fish. Well, actually they're all, they're all my favorite, but I, yeah, I really like to hunt red and Snook yeah. myself, yeah. Okay, okay, so keep going. Oh, for, first of all, where was this at? South Florida? It was South Florida, yeah. Good with South Florida? So, South well, Florida. I mean, I, I could probably say that we, we fished in, uh, it, it's held out of Mount Lachey, and you can fish anywhere in Lee County. I mean, the Calusa Blue Way is the is like about 100 and maybe 14 or 140 um, miles of paddling trails and or open water that the Calusa Indians paddled and used for their own waterway system for fishing and just for connecting their their little tribes. Did they hunt redfish, snook, and uh, trout? Oh, they did. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know what else they... they, they, Yeah, that's what was here then. That's what's here now. So... Is that a fact? Unchecked fact. (laughs) Well, we'll fact check you later. They were probably going for shark too, or whatever. Oh, they certainly. They, I'm sure the back then, if you caught a fish, that was dinner. Yeah, I yeah. can imagine. Yeah, I don't know, but that's I the best so. dinner, man. I mean, fuck. There's nothing better than catching fish, filleting it, throwing it on the grill, cooking it up right there. Right yeah, there. just awesome, you know. Okay, so anyway, start your story. You uh, you head out there. You got your kayaks. Which one did you use? Did you use the red or the blue? Uh, uh, I or, used, I'm sorry, yellow. I used the yellow, always. Okay. Okay. Mellow yellow. Mellow that yellow. Is, that is my go-to. Um, I allowed my brother-in-law to use code red. Okay. Yeah. Um, set him up with uh, as much as yeah, everything that he needed to get out and catch some fish. 
As a matter of fact, he did outfish me on this trip. He had a he had a trout and two redfish. Um, his trout was a little was. Uh, you want to pull your phone off? Your phone's going to be mm. getting in and on the mic there. I think he had a seventeen inch trout. Damn, um, nice. My largest was eighteen, mm-hmm. and his redfish was twenty five inches, I believe. Whereas okay. I caught a twenty one inch redfish. Didn't get a snook. I didn't. Neither did he. Neither one of us got a snook. So you guys missed out on the slam a little bit. We missed the slam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Just missed the slam. Did he go with you in the same route, or did he uh, go somewhere else? We we kind of floated around on our own loose paths. Um, I met back up with him uh, a little bit later in the day. Uh, we kind of floated in the same direction to start. Then he went one way. I went another way. Mm-hmm. Um, I went a little bit south. He stayed a little and, and tucked in, got into some mangrove areas, some backwaters, uh, looking for the snook and the redfish. Didn't find any in there, so I came back out. He had hit a couple of the islands outside of outside of the, the backwater, and um, he found his redfish while I was back there looking for redfish. He okay. found his out on the island. All right. It was not not in the creeks. So, But you did have a buddy go with you, right? We, we don't have to mention his name. We'll just... You had a buddy go with you. You guys went in the same direction, and he got a slam. Yes, he did. Ah, motherfucker. He, yeah. he stole that trout. He stole. He stole that snook from you, didn't he? Well, he he worked for it. He oh, went he did. In, okay. He went in. I I. So what happened was, and I took him, I took him to my spot, my favorite spot. I've well, taken, hold on. I've taken was that in the that beginning? Spot. No, no, no. That was at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. Go start from the beginning. So well, we went to so, you know, this is this is a story that that he probably could could also share with us. Um, well, yeah. But we, we went out, we left, and we went south. Our plan was to go north. Ultimately, we wanted to wind up picking the kayaks up out of the water from a north location of where we dropped them in. And, and for people who don't know, we're on the west side of Florida. We're in the Gulf. That's where we're fishing. Yep. Right. Okay. Yep. Um, so well, I wanted to drop in one spot and pick up in another. I'm familiar with both areas. Um, and instead of just going due straight north when we launched, we went south a little bit on, on a tip that we had picked up pre, uh, prior to this tournament's kickoff. Uh, unfortunately, we did not pre-fish, and we didn't know about this area. So we went into this spot blind, uh, and there's a bit of a learning curve. You know, I think it takes at least a time or two to learn what, how to navigate and get in and out and, you know, find where the fish are. So, so, so as an experienced fisherman, you would say, you know, if you're going to explore a spot, go out, you know, a couple times, maybe three or four times, hit it, stay there, learn the spot, figure out where the water's going, figure out where the fish might be, that kind of thing. Yeah, okay. uh, on a, on tournament day. I mean, Espe- I do <laughs> especially on tournament day. <laughs> especially on tournament day. Yeah, I, I do a lot of I do a lot of just recreational fishing. Right. Um, it's been a little while. I missed I missed last year's Clusa Blue Way tournament. Um, I've done a few of the uh, IFA Inshore Fishing Association tournaments, um, and this is all that I compete in kayak competitions, and I do most of my fishing from a kayak. Um, but I had been a while since I tournament fished. A lot of a lot of scouting goes into these days. Um, I would absolutely, going forward, learning from this day, not fish anywhere that I haven't pre-fished and I'm not familiar with. 
just, just hands down. I was about to change my mind and say that I've gone out blind before. Last second, picked a spot, and I went out to it. I ended up catching my, my largest trout on record, followed by my largest redfish on record. Which is? Uh, the trout was 22 inches, and then the redfish at that time was, was 29, maybe 30 inches. It, yeah, but you caught, you caught, what, a 31 or 32? 31, a few, few weeks, weeks ago. ago. Yeah. yeah, 31, so new record. Size. Yeah. Uh, but at that time, um, it, that was a record. And I can't remember which one came first. But I caught him in about the same area. I think I caught the trout first, and that was the first time I'd ever been to that spot. That was for the IFA uh, tournament. Mm-hmm. In that tournament, you don't need the snook. You just need a trout and a redfish. If I would have added a redfish to that 23-inch trout, I could have been in some, some, I could have been in some money. Yeah. Um, didn't catch any redfish that day. The very next year, in the same spot, I caught a redfish. It was 30 inches. That was enough to put me in at least, I got, I think, 12th place out of 60-something people, and I got my money back. But if I would have hooked anything, any kind of any keeper 15-and-up-inch trout, I would have been much higher, and I would have actually made some money that day. Didn't happen. I, and that, that's what really bugs me. You could catch great fish different days a year apart, and just can't put the two together. Yeah, but that's where I struggle with fishing being a sport. I know this is going to piss people off, mm. but just go with me, okay? You're going out into waters fishing for fish and there's only so many sizes there's so many uh uh, different types and and yeah there is a skill there's an art to hitting that water and getting that fish but you know you pull up a a 31 red you know and if there's only two of them out there and there's 50 people out there fishing those waters now the odds have decreased right so now there is a little bit of luck and there's a luck in every sport but this is a little bit more, you know, I mean, in, this, in the fact that you're trying to catch something that there just isn't, frankly, a lot of. And it's not necessarily because you had the better rod or the better reel or the better cast or the better bait or the better technique or even the best spot. Uh, you know, a lot of it's, you know, where they happen to be at that time. Do you know what I mean? Um... No, I, no, I, I don't think I do know what you mean. I, I, you're saying that it's a matter of luck, and you're, you've listed a lot of reasons, whether it's the best cast or the best spot or the best lure or technique. I mean, all of that plays a huge part. Oh, sure, and that's you where the skill in the art go. That's yeah. where the skill in the art comes from. Yeah, but and talking... there are plenty of fish out there right. for everybody. There's not just two 30-inch redfish. In fact, they get much bigger. But there's um, less opportunities to catch that same size fish. That's How? my point. How? Well, well, just like I said, if there's only two 31-inch redfish in those waters... But and there's you're not, not. There's more than two 30-inch redfish. But just, just go with me. There's all different sizes, right? Yeah. And obviously, if there were 10 fish in an area and two of them happen to be 31, you pull a 31 out, well, now you've just decreased the opportunities by, through probability of somebody else catching a 31-inch red. Do you know what I mean? Especially if there's... 50 people. Well, if you're putting 50 people in the same exact area, then sure. But that's what I'm saying. That decreases because you can't all fish in the same exact spot. But that's what I'm saying. I'm just talking about probability. When you're playing football, you the probability of you throwing a 40 yard touchdown is about equal on same, on the same side uh, of the game. Cause you both are going to get the ball. You're both are going to get an opportunity. It comes down to opportunity more so than just sheer athleticism, more so than just the best cast, the best bait. And, and sure enough, if you're a good fisherman, if you're a 
fucking talented fishermen. You're going to know where to go, how to read the water, where the fish is likely to be, what's, what type of bait they're, they're eating on, so you know what kind of like bait to use. You're, you're going to know how to flick your wrist. You know how to ca- you know, cast that rod. You're going to know what to do, so your odds of, in, of catching that fish have increased, but it's still a matter of probability. If somebody else caught that 31-inch red, you know, the night before because they're recreational fishing, well, your probability just dropped. The opportunity for catching that red just dropped. That's my point. Yeah. The thing that I see, especially when I go to the IFA tournaments, is because the IFA does a tournament. Um, they, do, they actually do a series. It's a series of tournaments through multiple states. They do in Texas, Louisiana, Florida, Georgia, and I believe South Carolina. Um, and so anglers from not just these states, but anglers that fish these tournaments all the time, the, it's a, there's probably a core group of fishermen that are going to each state fishing multiple tournaments every year. And they do two tournaments. I'm sorry, they do four tournaments uh, in two different locations each year. So the Gulf Coast has... I, I may have messed up. They, they, I know the Gulf Coast will do at least two tournaments a year and the east coast of florida will do two tournaments a year and typically they change the location of where the weigh-in is however if it's the gulf coast you could fish anywhere on the gulf coast so you could go you could be in the big bend area of florida you could be down in naples um Mm -hmm. you just have to make it back to the weigh-in by three o'clock uh the one of the days that i went it was in um it was up near tampa and the guy that that won came down and fished in pine island and I thought, well, I went up and fished up near Tampa, and he came down and fished my home waters, and uh, then he won the tournament. I'm like, why didn't I just fish back here? Sure. So the, the, the amount in the area that you can fish in is great in some of these places. Now, for the Calusa Blue Way, it's just, it's just the county water, the county waters. So, but that's still a lot of water, and there's still a lot of right. fish out there. You could drop anywhere in Lee County and fish anywhere. So there's an equal opportunity for everybody to get on the water and find fish. Yeah, there's opportunity on the water to find fish, but and not every fish is the same size. That's my point. You ever, right. here's, a, here's an analogy. You ever bob for apples? Yeah, it's been okay. a while. Well, you live in Florida, too. There's not a lot of apples, and you don't really have a fall and a winter here to celebrate, right? But anyway, when you bob for apples, it's a lot easier to catch an apple when you're the first guy, when there's a bunch of apples in the the tank, right? And if there's 10 people that are bobbing for apples, and you're that 10th guy, and each person took an apple, so you start off with 20 apples, and each person took an apple, now you have 11 apples— the less apples there are, the harder it is to catch those apples. Does that make sense? And the reason is because there's less opportunity. There's less opportunity to grab an apple. So that's what I'm arguing. I'm saying that's where fishing is a little bit of a struggle for me because if you're playing football, if you're running track, if you're um, boxing or hitting a baseball, you have an opportunity to perform. Whereas in fishing, if somebody takes away a fish, an apple... It's that much harder to show your athleticism, to show your, your sport ability, because the probability of opportunity has just decreased. Does that make sense? Uh, maybe not. I, what the fuck do I know? I'm it not... does, but you're not fishing in the same bathtub. Sure. Uh, you're not all fishing in the same bathtub. You're fishing in all over the place. And you know, you've got to, you need to know where to go. You need to know, it helps to know the water. 
Right. It helps to know the structure that you're looking for and how to find it. Well, I'm not saying there's no skill. I'm not saying that. I'm not, I don't want to take away no, from that. No, but you're saying or you're, you're, you've got this idea that there's not enough fish in there and that when somebody takes one fish, then there's not enough fish left yeah. over. That's right. You know, and, you're pulling and this apples is more... out of a, uh, you're pulling a limited number of apples out of a single right. barrel. And you're versus talking versus taking one fish out of an unlimited barrel. Right. Well, yeah, in some places, right? But there's people who do bass fishing and they fish in a lake. And that is more closed off, right? It's a little more closed so off. So that would lend credence more to that analogy I was talking about. There's only so many bass that exceed a limit. And if somebody pulls it out of the water, your opportunity, the probability of opportunity just fell. Where as, you know, fishing in the Gulf, you have more opportunity because it's a, it's much more vast. I don't want to take away from the skill at all or the there is athleticism. I'm just saying that the problem that I struggle with is that that what we just talked about, limited opportunity. But, you know, when it comes to fishing, I'm a fucking moron. I'm a recreational fisherman. I can barely catch a fucking stick, okay? I don't even know how to put the bait on correctly without losing it when I cast. I barely know how to cast. I've seen you cast. And, yeah, it sucks. And, and I've seen you bait it, and it's like, okay. I've tried I, to tell you. i tried to show you. I know. It's, I'm um, hard-headed. Yeah. I can't even skip a rock. If I can't skip a rock, how in the fuck am I going to cast? That's a good point. Yeah. yeah but, there's, yeah. You could so, skip so, cast. You could you know, flip cast overhead. I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways to get in there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Getting fancy on me. I only know one cast, and that's like... But anyway, I'm just telling you. I'm a yeah. moron when it comes to the subject. So it doesn't much matter, but that's just, you know, my perspective is limited yeah. and it's probably limited because I suck. Yeah. And, and I know, I know your perspective on it. I've heard it. We've talked about it before. I know that you, that you don't see it as so much of a sport, uh, be, because of the, the reasons that you're trying to explain now. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, and, fuck, if we want to, we can talk about cheerleading. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that's a sport either. <laughs> I think fishing is more of a sport than cheerleading. You know, but, you know, we don't need to go down that. We can go down another rabbit hole another time. But um, anyway, getting back to your story, you started south with your buddy, your uh, brother-in-law. He went somewhere else and you got to that spot that you haven't explored yet. You know, you heard it was a good spot, but you got there and you didn't catch much. Didn't didn't catch catch anything. anything. Yeah. And then what happened? What did you guys do then? So we, we... Tried. We tried to catch that stuff in there. We tried a bunch to catch in there, and then we were losing time, and we decided to get out of there and get back out and to start heading north, um, and and try to get to where we needed to be. And uh, I started to realize that we were going to be fighting against the wind a little bit to cross some of the waters. We had a northeastern wind that day, and we were trying to go north and stay to the to the east east side uh, to the you know hug the hug the the mangroves. Mm-hmm. So as long as we could stay up on those mangroves, we were pretty good. We we're going to get a little bit of a wind in our face, but as soon as we got into the open water, then we had to fight it. And we did have to cross some open water to get out of that spot that we were in. That slowed us down a little bit. But once we got across, we were able to hug, hug a little bit, go around a little island and fish a little bit there, crossed another smaller open portion, and then we were in my spot. And we, but I realized we weren't going to be able to make it all the way north and get out in the time that we needed to get out or be done to, to record our catches by 3 o'clock. So, so a question for you. 
how long do you spend in a particular spot, you know, hitting that water until you finally say, uh, I don't think anything's happening here or it's, it's dried up. I think I'm going to go somewhere else. So I spend too long. I, I, I stick around well past time to, to leave. Um, and I feel, I don't know why, because I know better. I know that if I go somewhere and I'm not catching anything in the first 10 to 15 minutes, I should move and go somewhere else. But how, how about how long? Uh, I mean, I've, I've, we, I was probably in that back area for about an hour oh. at least. Well, well um, how much time do you like to spend in an area before you abandon it? It depends. It depends on the area. It depends on the day and what's happening. Again, in a tournament, I would get, get in, get out. If you're not catching anything, get out of there. Um, now it, it's can a you get, different. can you be a little bit more black and white though? When you say get in, get out, if you're not catching anything, so how, how much time? Like, are you talking about five minutes, 10 minutes, 15? The reason it took so long, I was really probably back there for about an hour and a half, maybe even two on that leg of the journey because I, I, went into the back bay, fished a little bit on the outer outskirt of the back bay, found a little creek, got in there, a little channel, got in there, fished a little bit, fished a little bit along the mangroves, what looked like it might be good, didn't catch anything, kept going deeper, finally got to where the hole was, uh, where the water got real deep. There's, there's, it's, it was a canal of some sort. I don't know where exactly it goes to, but somebody has to be coming out of boats there with boats there. In fact, there was a, 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 a derelict boat just sitting beached and actually turned onto its side, um, back there. And so I fished the mouth of that canal for again, about 30 minutes. And then I went further up the canal for another 20, 30 minutes, finally turned around and came back and then left that spot for good. But again, so, though, hindsight tournament. Yeah. Is 30 minutes the amount of time you would Fuck maximum. around in those areas before maximum. you leave? Maximum, 30 minutes. A maximum 30 minutes. at a spot. So in the tournament, I would, I would I want to pick out maybe maybe dropped pins on spots, on a spot. Now, that doesn't mean that, it, that I'm just going to go there and fish. I'm going to fish around that spot too, fish on the way to that spot. Once I get there, I might, I might set up, set, drop anchor, drop my, my, little, my anchor pin and fish there for a little bit, for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and hopefully catching something, feeling something, seeing something that looks like, okay, there's fish here. And if not, you know, in that 30 minutes, then it's time to move, go to the now, next now, spot. what would that be? I mean, we got to explain this stuff, you know, mm-hmm. for, especially for people that are interested in fishing who don't necessarily know what you're talking about or people that are trying to get right. better. So you're talking about you need to see some tails, Maybe need well, some that mullet. would be the easiest way, yes, to right. see the fishtails. See the red fishtails sometimes as they're burrowing into the ground, digging up stuff. Their tails yeah. might stick out if it's shallow enough, but mullet is a good sign. Birds and bait Birds, is a yeah. good sign. Um, just life. You want to see life. You want to see water moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you want to see that current. Yeah, you want to yeah. see the current. Mm-hmm. Our buddy Mikey's calling. Oh. <laughs> Well, maybe we could talk to him on a different day. Uh, he, you know, he might tennis. be an interesting guest. He would be an interesting guest. Yeah, um, that's, I don't a, that's know a tennis that conversation. He would offer anything about fishing, but certainly for tennis, for tennis, yeah, he'd have a lot of interesting views. Yeah, you know, that's a, you know, we but, need to talk to him. We need to maybe later yeah. you can call him back and talk yeah. to him. Uh, but anyway, okay, so you're talking about you know 30 minutes at the most. You yeah. stayed doubled the time. You stayed an hour in a spot that you weren't sure of, you didn't know of, you're unf- yeah. unfamiliar with. You took off. Okay. Um, you're looking for signs of life, birds, bait. You're looking for, which, you know, in this, from this purpose, you're looking for reds, trout, and yeah. snook. Are there a particular bait that they prefer that you're looking for? 
Yes, a um, little bait fish, a little either finger mullet or greenbacks, pinfish, you know, even just glass minnows. I mean, any any kind of really just just thick pods of bait. What about crabs and shit like that? Because they're bottom feeders too, they right? Do. The, yeah, uh, they like fish. crabs. They like crabs. I haven't caught a lot of them on crabs. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't used a lot of crabs. Every now and then I'll throw one out there, but I don't. you probably really have to dedicate to using something like that. Um, so... What I did, I ended up catching fish on all of my artificial lures that I used this time. This okay. Trip, which doesn't always happen. In fact, I caught a fish on every rod that I had. I took four rods, four different approaches. Three were lie, uh, three were artificial. One was was just a hook, and I put. I ended up catching a ladyfish, which we redfish love cut right. ladyfish. So when I caught that, I said, "Okay, I just got myself some some high quality redfish bait." So I kept that. I chunked so- it up. So you, you you were using live bait as well as artificial no. bait. Well, I had live bait. Well, you chopped up the lady um, fish. But, and then I used the chopped bait. And you're doing bait. bottom water versus top water fishing as well because right. you're trying to hit some snook. You're trying to get right. some str- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Early in the day, we always go top water. We go top water early. Um, it's cool. It's somewhat overcast. So the fish are more apt to be up near the surface. When it gets hot, they'll drop down a little bit lower. They might not be as active because they're trying to cool off. So mm-hmm. morning time, top water gets them going. Um, there, and it was overcast most of the day. So we were fishing top water a lot. Fished early top water, hooked, caught a trout, caught the ladyfish on the top water bait. Um, also, it switched over or, or it was switching back and forth to a, a soft plastic paddle tail. The Z-Man are my favorite, my go-to. It's the Z-Man Mullitron paddle tail. So you like those? You like those artificial? I like the artificials, yeah. I love yeah. artificial bait. It just keeps me busy the whole time, and I can just hit all the areas. Well, the great thing about paddle tails is that not only do they provide like a lot of great action, mm. they also come with that scent, you know? Yes. So yeah. you're just hitting that lateral line. Now, for people at home, you're not familiar with fishing, Fish have a structure down the, the side of their body called a lateral line, and that picks up motion or vibration within the water. Um, and they can pretty much determine uh, the location, the size, the direction. Um, so that way, if a small little uh, pinfish is just swimming around, they can feel that fish and go for it. But if they feel that there's a larger mass, like a dolphin, they might say, fuck this, and get the hell out. Um, so that's the benefit of paddle tail. It gives you a little bit of, uh, action on it. It's got a great scent. Um, and Joe and I both like to use those, uh, as far as artificial bait is concerned. Yeah, they're, they're my favorite. Also, just because you can, you can reuse it, um, the soft, yeah. you know, and it subs, it's a subsurface lure. It sinks relatively quickly. Um, and it's weedless, which is kind of a, it's a huge benefit. It's kind of misleading because you still pull up weeds. Mm-hmm. You can still get stuck in a tree, but far less of the time. And don't forget, tell them that, like, you know, the head, the head of the paddle tail drops down. Yeah. Okay. The so the head drops down, the tail right. flutters as it goes down, and you pull it That's up. That's right. And it drops and flutters again. Or you could pull it in quicker and just kind of have it fluttering along the water. And uh, that gives it that more of that realistic, right. realistic uh, dying fish, bait. vulnerable fish. Right. That's going to, that's going to promote. Provoke the track, the, the strikes. Right. So I caught fish on that, and I had a, a gold spoon, which was, I have only recently just caught something on. It is a longtime favorite of fishermen across the across Florida, at least. Um, but the gold spoon, a uh, patient of ours actually had rigged this up for me and um, gave it to me and says, this is, this is how you should rig it. This is, gonna, this is the way that it, that it works best. 
So I threw it in my tackle box mm-hmm. for probably over a year. And then I finally one day just tied it on and was like, I'm going to try this out. I like the spoon because it's, it's a little bit heavy and you can cast it through the wind and mm-hmm. you can skip it on the water. You can really get, you know, utilize it in, in all conditions. Yeah. So I fished this thing all day. This was the time before we went out last in, in this area. And um, finally, after a while, I, sa- I decided I'm not even going to put it down. I was back and forth that day. But finally, at the, towards right before I caught the fish, I said, I'm going to use this until I catch something. And then I turned around and caught a snook and then a redfish right afterwards. A nice redfish, 29, 30 inches. I didn't, uh, I didn't nice. take my time to measure it nicely, but it was nice and big. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have loved to catch both that snook and that redfish. Um, I, I would have probably won the tournament uh, if I would have caught those two. Well, you just didn't, you, maybe yeah. you didn't have enough time. Yeah, it was, again, it was because of the time, and I, I believe sure. the location that we went to. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that I would have covered that spot that I caught those two fish. I would have covered other spots in that area that I'm familiar with. That would have hit my favorite spot that we did get to eventually, and we did catch a snook and a redfish out of it. But um, it's, it's just, you know, too, too excited, too excited to, to just get out there and go. Yeah. Well, now let's go back to something here real quick. You talked about you wanted to stay along the mangroves. And again, just the snook, are they hanging out at the mangroves? Or are you looking, because I know the reds are at the mangroves. Um, and the, the trout's going to be more in those grassy areas, right? Right. But they go over there too. Right. So just explain that a little bit. As far as like the fish that you're talking about, you're talking about snook, trout, and redfish. Where do they like to hang out? And also you mentioned that hole, that deep hole. Yeah. That's... You know, there's trout holes, you know, so yeah. just talk about that a little bit so that way people have a better understanding. So like you said, both the, the snook and the redfish hang out in the mangroves. Mm-hmm. Um, the snook and, and really all of them will, will head for structure. Um, where we went, there wasn't really any dockings other than we launched. There's some, there, it was a, the commercial marina, so there was docks. They'll hang out under the dock, around the pilings, the structure. They like to get around the structure in the water. But why, why? What's they're it? ambushed. They're ambushed predators. Mm-hmm. So they use that to kind of hide and to, to dart in and out and catch bait. Yeah, you're uh, talking about the structure itself, mm-hmm. and in some cases, even the shadow. Right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. they use the shadows, they use the structure. Um, you know, underneath the mangroves that provide shade again yeah. to hide in the shadows, also cools the water if it's too hot. Um, and it, it, pro- it promotes other things like bird droppings and bugs falling into the water for the bait fish to come around. So if you have a lot of, you want to be in those areas, um, the depth of the water definitely plays a factor depending on how hot or cold it is but also you the fish like to swim they like to swim up and swim down and swim up and down you want to find a place that may that has a little bit of a drop right out from underneath or even underneath and goes back deep in the mangroves sometimes the redfish will get tuck themselves deep back in the mangroves but then they've got to come out the tide goes out they're going to come down they're going to get into that where the water is still there or deep enough for them um so that's where some of the skill and or some of the knowledge comes into um, with the water temperature and the wind and the, and the you know, time of year as to where these fish are going to be located. Now, for me, I'm not super savvy on, on that, um, you know, in great detail. I can use that to my advantage sometimes. But again, I kind of just go out and fish around, find where I've had the fish before mm-hmm. and pay attention to some of that, like what time of the year, what month of it, what month was it and, and, and things like that. And then I'll usually find the fish again, but 
you know, it certainly plays a difference between the incoming outgoing tide, the direction of the wind, and where where these fish are sitting. So, as well as the change in the height, like you're talking about incoming and you know outgoing tide, but like when you have like a two foot change. Or a three foot change. That's a huge difference. Yeah, that's a huge difference. That's the water as opposed be to moving yeah, very half a fast. Foot. Um, let's go. Let's talk a little bit. You know, you talked about like you're not very savvy with all those skillful uh, uh, little tidbits of knowledge, those pearls of wisdom. But you still you do know some of that stuff. So like you're talking about when you're fishing in this tournament this past weekend, you were out and in overcast conditions, a um, little windier that day. We had just had a hurricane come through yeah yeah right like it was edna right edna edna Edna, yeah um just came through days days before days before and so if you're a fisherman you pretty much know that right before a storm comes through so a system right comes right through the fish are going to eat they're going to eat because they need to get out into that deep water they need to get down down below to weather the storm and they're going to hibernate a little bit right i think so um that's the idea the idea is that they're going to stock up before the storm comes because they're probably not going to be thinking about eating in the middle of the storm. Right. And same goes for after the storm. Now they're, they're going to come back out and, and they're going to eat. Now when the storm comes through, it's kind of a crapshoot as to whether they come back to the same area, to this area, to another area, or where they go because it does change. We had it on new other, other occasions where storms have come through that people have either done really good or they haven't done good at all. Right. Whereas week or two before the storm things were great everything was solid it was very just very consistent with the fishing and then afterwards it changed everything but as far as what we're talking about with this tournament you know you're doing it up uh, up in northern Matlaché, right or uh, pine we're, island we were past Matlaché. we were on the outer side of pine island okay but yeah and that storm had uh went uh, above tampa didn't it yeah yeah it just went north it of tampa all above tampa but it brushed us with with a lot of heavy weather with a lot of that bands right mm-hmm. but it's it, it, it's possible and i don't know i mean this is something you would have a, a stronger knowledge uh, uh for it's possible that fish that the fish you know they ate up as much as they could right up north along tampa uh clear water you know whatnot and then they said fuck it let's get the hell out of here and they just they went south you know, they probably knew that the storm could go a little bit more northern, you know, because they, they, have, they have a knack of, of feeling the storm, knowing what's going to happen. They can predict their environment a little bit better, a lot better than us, right? Probably, yeah, So probably. maybe they flushed themselves out towards, you know, down south. Um, and that's probably, maybe that's why the fishing was a little bit better. Maybe some of them went north, and maybe fishing was a little bit better there, too. But you're talking about overcast conditions, and fish are cold-blooded, right? So they do depend on the sun to warm up the blood a little bit. So when we're talking about fish don't want to linger on the, uh, closer to the surface of the water when it's sunny out because they could overheat, that's true. But at the same time, they don't want to get too cold either. So they want to be up there a little bit to get some warmth as well. And right. if you know that, you can kind of figure out... Is topwater fishing a little bit better today, or should I just be hitting the bottom? Right. 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 Yeah. So when it's, when it's colder out, when we have more consistently cold days and the water temperature drops, these fish are going to go overnight, they're going to go into deeper water because the water is, is going to get colder when it's more shallow. The more shallow the water is, the colder, the faster it's going to cool off. Right. So they're going to go down deep 
the end of these trenches, the, into the, the channels and the holes, and they're going to hang out there until the water starts to warm up. When the I, sun comes back up, it starts to warm up that shallow water, and then they'll get into the shallow waters during the daytime when it's cold outside. Are they going to eat a whole bunch then and then go down and hibernate for a little bit like we're talking about with the storm? Um, it, it, they may not, they may not eat as much when it's cold. If they're cold, they're going to be trying to conserve energy, trying to warm up and they'll, they'll just try to find a warm spot and they may just lay down. Sure. Um, you can entice them. They, they might take a, a cheap snack, if you will, if you can present it perfectly to them. Um, but generally when it's colder, you're not going to be working your baits too fast cause they're not going to want to chase. Right. So and the bait's probably not going to be going that fast anyway. They're probably going to slow down a little bit, right? Because it's know. colder. Yeah, maybe. Well, I mean, we'll bring an expert on here. We'll talk with them about this, so, you know, let them refute or validate anything that we're saying. But it stands the reason that if they know the cold's coming, they know the deeper water's going to retain some heat or the, the temperature that they like, and maybe they would eat as much as they can to go hibernate for a couple of days until that cold front you know, comes through or that high pressured system goes through. And then by the time that's over with, or especially if they didn't eat to hibernate, they're going to be starving. They're going to be hungry and they're going to come up for some, you know, maybe for some warmth and they're going to want to eat a little bit too. And that's probably a good time to hit the water, right? It's always a good time to hit the water. (laughs) You can't catch them if you're not in the water. Exactly. Right. Okay. And especially working full time when you don't have, you know, you got to go when you can go. Right. Otherwise, you know, if you try to time it by the, that's my philosophy anyway, um, trying to time things, uh, you, you just got to go. You got to go as often as you can. But if, if you're thinking you about from that like tournament perspective, right. if you're talking about, you know, I want to have the best opportunity to catch a fish, you're talking about, okay, I know systems coming through, there's a cold front coming through. So, you know, I know with the storm up to about one to two hours before the storm hits, you can catch some good fish. Traditionally, right? Traditionally, yeah. Or supposedly. And I, I can't I can't refute or, or validate that myself, well, but we'll figure it out. Again, it's fishing. Sometimes you catch fish, sometimes you don't. Right. I, but, I do believe well, some people are better at catching those fish and can catch them anytime. Hey, listen, man, I've seen the perfect storm. Okay, George Clooney and Mark Wahlberg, they were catching a shitload of fish I have not before seen they got hit. What? I have not seen that movie. Oh, that's almost a travesty, man. That's I like know. I, I know. I should see this. You were telling me about it last week. This is ridiculous. As a fisherman, you should you're almost like required to see that and Flipper, Dolphin's Tale, and maybe a couple other movies. Maybe Jaws. Oh, now you're talking. That's a requirement, seen, right? I've as a fisherman? Jaws, absolutely. Jaws oh. is one of my favorite movies. Have you seen The Meg? So uh, I've seen The Meg. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine pulling that fucker up. Yeah. Um, I don't I wouldn't want anything to do with that. He could stay in the prehistoric times. Yeah. What did you think of, of Jason Stratum, you know? pretending to be like a piece of bait and the shark's chasing him through the water, you know, and just chomp, chomp, chomp. Yeah. And he's like, and because it's Jason's, you know, Stratum, like everybody else dies, but he survives. Yeah, and the shark is like, fuck, I should have messed you with you, you know? Yeah. I, no, you can't, you can't mess with him. <laughs> right. In the water, on the land, in a car, it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. The shark's like, those perfect abs. Ugh, fuck you, Jason Stratum. But anyway, um, it doesn't matter. So anyway, Going back to the fishing, maybe right before a cold front comes through, fishing would be good. Then maybe after the storm system comes through, after the, the cold front goes through, fishing's going to be good, 
you don't want it to be neither too hot not or too cold. And based on those conditions, that would tell you, do I want to do more top water fishing? Do I want to be, you know, bottom water fishing? Do I want to be in the shallows? Do I want to be in the deeper right. areas? Do I want to hit those holes and whatnot? So, all right. And then, uh, oh, so anyway, finish your story now. So you went north, you, you, you caught a red on that yep. gold spoon, right? No, I caught the redfish on the cut ladyfish. On the ladyfish? Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, that's why you had it. That's why you used it. That's why I kept it. Yeah. It mm-hmm. paid off. Paid. Caught the redfish. Um, the spoon I caught cutting across the open water, uh, across the flats, with when I was just, I was paddling, and I use a Hobie, so it's got, I have the foot paddles, foot, the Mirage Drive. So I'm kicking with my feet, and I keep, I just decided to start throwing a spoon out there and retrieving it. And it had to be a fairly quick retrieve, because otherwise it would get behind me, and it's kind of tricky. But I'd cast it in front of me and reel it in, and I hooked a trout, brought a trout in on that guy. Nice. So, oh, Where uh, were you? Were you out by the mangroves, or were you no, more No, I was the... out in the open water. Open water, mm-hmm. like in the grass in here? In the grass flats, yeah. Was it deeper or shallow, or just kind of? It was, it was a little bit deeper there. Um, yeah. It was deep enough that I could use the Mirage Drive, because you have to, you have, to have a, a few inches of water at least there, or almost a foot of water. Well, those waters over there where you're fishing, I mean, like deep is like ten feet, you know. Yeah, it's that it's not that deep. deep yeah. or, I it mean, get but deep out there. But even still, the channels hit. are cut a little bit deeper. But right. other than that, it doesn't get too deep. So you hit it in the open water. Open okay. water on a spoon, trout. Um, he wasn't. He I he was no bigger than the eighteen inch trout that I had earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. So he actually, I got him in the net, I put him in the boat, I lifted him up, and he spit the spoon and jumped out of the net into the water. So I didn't even get a chance to measure him. Damn. But I'm sure he was like 17. He wasn't any, he wasn't 18. And how's your buddy doing at this point? Is he catching? Yeah. He had actually, he had actually done really well to this point, at least on the trout. He he had a 23-inch trout. Nice. Which, you know, come the end of the day, we knew that was going to be, that was, that was enough for the trout side. You know, right, I, right. He, at this point now he just needs to get a mid twenty to thirty inch snook and redfish, um, and he would have been in good shape. And that was his first fish was the trout. It was his first fish. He had right. that thing in the first hour, so mm-hmm. that was that was great news. You know, he thought, and I we both thought, okay. So he that's why he he went into the mangroves ahead of me. I stayed out there trying to fish for for some trout, and um, I caught uh, several, and I was satisfied enough. And the big thing with this is you got to have all three. So once I had one, I wanted to go in and try to get the other two and then try to upgrade. Yeah, so you said, man, you caught that redfish, you got all excited. Or no, it was a trout. It was, it was his trout. He caught a trout first. He, and so at that point, you know, there's no real sense for him to keep trying to fish for trout because right. you're, you are very unlikely to catch something. Well, it doesn't matter. He's got a 23-inch yeah. trout. Mm-hmm. He's going to go over to the mangroves and try to get some reds and possibly yeah. get a snook. Yeah. You caught the redfish first? No. Okay, um, so you caught the, you well, the trout. Well, I caught the trout first early. I uh-huh. didn't catch the redfish until the last about 30 minutes of the day. And then, yeah, you, you said you paddled like, you know, like Hell's Fury over to, to yeah. your buddy's kayak. Well, <laughs> just, yes. Um, and at, right after that, you know, he ended up catching, he, had, he ended up going to the same area and caught two. Caught the uh, red two, and the Caught the, the redfish, yeah. He had already had the snook. So oh, he yeah, had okay. a snook. I had the redfish, and he went over to where I was at, and he caught himself a red, another redfish. Nice. Yeah. And so, how much time did you have to, to you know, from that redfish to catch a snook? I had probably less than thirty minutes to, to catch a snook. So I put down, I put down the uh, the cup bait, and I just went to my to my spoon, 
Um, at that point, I had already broke off several. I had already, I already had some issues with other rods. So I was down to, I believe, just the spoon. Well, why did you go back to the spoon? Well, I was hoping to find a snook on the spoon. Yeah, but don't do the snook like ladyfish? Or what, 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 are, what do they snook like? Snook aren't, aren't as likely to bite on the ladyfish. Okay. Um, with the ladyfish, you're going to catch, you, you have, I caught a catfish with one. So you're likely to catch catfish, redfish, um, you know, not, not as likely to catch a snook. They will eat it, but it's less, your odds are decreased. And so, you're more likely to catch a snook on topwater fishing, right? A little bit more on top or, or subsurface. I mean, for the snook, they'll eat anything that looks like one of their natural baits, one of their natural foods. Yeah. Um, Which is? Something alive, usually alive. So it's going to be bait fish or shrimp. Um, okay. That's what they really go for. Again, shrimp. they will eat chunks of, of ladyfish, but I haven't caught them on a ladyfish before. But you thought that golden spoon's nice and shiny. I can topwater fish with that. Really, uh, it's not a topwater. The spoon isn't a topwater. No. That's a, a subsurface lure. Uh, it oh, sinks right. fast. Again, it flutters down, um, but it's shiny. It catches their attention. It creates a nice little movement in the water to get the to trigger that lateral line to get their attention to get them to, to come after it. Um, I, but I I was running out of of lines. Um, I had I had suffered several knots in my soft plastic rig um so i had to cut it um and i then after that i'm trying to think of what happened with my top water um i don't know i I don't know what happened with that rod but i I felt like i was down to my last my last rod so i was just using what i had trying to catch something either way it sounds like if you would have kind of stuck to your gut done 30 minutes in the initial spot and said, Hey man, I'm not catching shit. So let's, let's go somewhere else. You would have had an extra 30 minutes. You so would have had an extra couple hours probably. Oh, an extra couple and hours. Yeah, that's right. More spots, more well, other areas that we're familiar with. Yeah. 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 And then so, maybe you got that snook. Yeah. But you know, it's it next, next time uh, I'll know, I'll know where I want to go, how I want to do it. Um, and it'll be a lot better. And uh, so your buddy caught the snook. He got the slam. He got the slam. You yeah. and your brother-in-law did not. No, we uh, like my brother-in-law losers. had a twenty-five inch, two two twenty-five or six-inch redfish. So he had caught two redfish and a bunch of trout. No snook. Can you keep these fish? Not right now. They're closed right now. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, the red tide, algae bloom, and all that from a few years ago. Climate change, Joe. Climate change. Yeah, there may be something to that. Well, um, I, just, I mean, don't forget one of the reasons why you missed a tournament last year or even the year before that, was because of that blue-green algae and the, um, the red tide issue. Remember that? I remember that. No, they still did the tournament in those years. They didn't stop doing the tournament. I oh, was just okay. not available. Last year, I wasn't available to do the tournament. I'm just saying, man, you know, for the last five years, there's been issues with the fucking water. We've had water issues, First yeah. of all, they're, they're not allowing that Okeechobee to flow over into the Everglades like they used to. Right. Okay? Because primarily of the of big sugar wanting to take up more property in the Everglades. So, you know, moms, dads, kids, the big sugar companies in South Florida want more Everglades property, and they're preventing the Okeechobee from draining into that Everglades like it has done for thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years, okay? And allow the Okeechobee to basically, you know, that water to filter out through the Everglades and feed all the fish, the gators, the anacondas now, you know, because of, you know, assholes from Miami. <laughs> um, maybe not from Miami, all over Florida, really. Florida's a hot mess, right? Mm-hmm. But instead, they backflow the Okeechobee 
down. What river is that? Uh, the Caloosahatchee. The and this, I believe it's the St. Lucie River. Right, right into the ways. Gulf. Yeah, and right in the Gulf and right out of the, out of the Atlantic side too, Port St. Lucie. Right, and our beautiful postcard beaches and waters that are typically blue-green color, gorgeous, translucent, you can see through it, are now shit brown. Yep. Like, a, like somebody took a big shit in a toilet. Um, so, not saying that, that that's not okay, but what, it's, what happens is we get this influx of blue-green algae that just blooms, comes down the river, mixes with the red tide, and all it does is proliferate. It makes the red tide worse. It makes the blue-green algae worse. It hurts people who live on those coastal waters. It destroys the fishing line. It destroys the environment. And so this is climate change. Climate change because of corporatism. Right. But we'll talk about that down the road. Yeah. We don't need to talk about that now. What happened was you got a red, you got a trout, you didn't have time to catch a snook, your buddy got a slam, and where did he place? Did he, uh, he how did he finish? He was just outside. He, he came in with 67 total inches. Um, I believe the second or third place was at 73, and first place was at 79. So mm-hmm. I believe it was 70, 79 and 73, 73 was the top three people. So Was there any women fishing? There was, yes. Okay. How did um, they do? I didn't look. Uh, I, I couldn't really tell. They were, they were posted by last name. I'm just saying that this is definitely a man's tournament because obviously size matters. <laughs> you know, the bigger your shit is, the more likely you're going to win. Is that what you're saying, right? That that's the goal. Yeah, that's bigger, the goal. The bigger, the bigger, the better. Yeah, not not even size the bigger necessarily. The longer. The longer. The longer. Yeah. So even girth doesn't even matter. No. And some and some women like girth as opposed to length. You know, you could have a fucking piece of spaghetti that's long. You know, I, I don't know. But I'm just saying, it's a guys' tournament for sure, and women don't stand a chance. Yeah, I don't know. Unless maybe. they're trans. Yeah, maybe. Well, I, uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> I'm just fucking around. But anyway, so you had a great time. Doesn't matter if you got the slam or not. Your buddy didn't place. No. Doesn't matter. He came close. Came close. But and I was trying to find his name on the leaderboard. And mm-hmm. one of the things we had to do to start this thing off is we're not allowed to go on the water until what they deemed safe light or first first light, and which was 630 in the morning. So what we had to do to make sure what they wanted to see from us was a picture of our kayak and the tournament issued measuring stick with the tournament issued bracelet and special code mm-hmm. on the dock or on the launch at 630. Or later. How do they date that? How do they know that so it's on that date? we have date? to take a picture and send a picture in with our timestamp, with a timestamp. Okay. So I sent in the picture of the fish, and then I sent in a screenshot of the time from the details of the photo off of my phone, because I didn't know, I don't know how to put just the time on the picture. Mm-hmm. So I sent in a picture of the fish and a screenshot of the, the details from the picture. So every picture has to be timestamped, so every they know. Every picture has to be timestamped, yeah. That's a, new, that's a picture from the tournament. forgot to put... Or send in the picture of his kayak from the launch. Oh, he must so, be a Democrat. He's well, rigging it. When I looked for his name on the leaderboard, I couldn't find it even anywhere, even even on the tournament board at all. So I'm thinking they may have just thrown it out, which didn't matter. You know, we found out that he didn't win. Um, He's a Democrat. They're Republicans. They're throwing his shit out because he didn't do it correctly. That that could be. That's that the bottom line. I mean, we're I mean, Florida. I don't know. It's I mean, a red. He may not be a Democrat at all. Who knows? Well, I, I, you know, it doesn't um, matter. 
You gotta get your shit right. That, that's 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 the that's the way. Yeah, that's the way that that's the law of the land here. Yeah. So do it right or you're out. Well, it makes sense, you know. But anyway, he did a he he did a great job. We all did. We all had a great time. Yeah. We all caught a lot of fish. I mean, there was there was a lot of fish out there. Um, I saw a lot of slams that people had caught. There wasn't there was, you know, I I there was a lot of people that caught all three. So that was pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, you bragged about this tournament every year. This is yeah. one of your favorites, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, so it's a great tournament. A lot of people did did more people turn out this year than the 70. previous year. We had seventy people in this tournament this year. Nice. Yeah. All right. I mean, that's great, man. And maybe one day I'll go out with you. Yeah. If I don't drown myself first. Well, yeah. Uh, after that Coast Guard incident. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we'll talk about that some other time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so you're gonna do it, you're gonna do it again next year. You're gonna kick ass next year because you're not gonna yeah. fuck around. Yep. Because right, the year before, you also kind of did something that was, like, different, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I did almost the exact same thing that <sighs> year. Don't you year. learn? Um, I, I took a different route and went south that time. And I had, okay. to, I had to get out and walk my kayak, pull my kayak, drag it through the mud. I was knee-deep in mud and had to drag my kayak. And I just kept thinking, maybe I should turn around. But what if, it's, what if I'm almost out? What if I'm almost out? Um, mm-hmm. and meanwhile, the buddy that I had then was, was sleeping in the car. He wasn't feeling good. So he didn't even come out for two or three hours into the thing. So I'm out there by myself and I was real upset. I went out I finally, I kicked it around, went out to that again, to that same spot. Eventually, um, I fished around the first open area where I was, but this time I was in that area and then some went further. It was easier to get to it though. Cause I didn't go that mud way. Um, mm-hmm. I knew better at least to stay in where I could you know, at least get back to... Well, next year, don't go fucking south. I'm going south next year. No. You say that now. North, I say, yeah, of course. (laughs) You say that now. We'll see. We'll we'll, we'll talk about it when that happens, right? But uh, anyway, so, I mean, some pretty good lessons. You need to become a little bit more savvy with all that other shit that we talked about as far as, like... Yeah. Yeah, temperature. I'd like to know that kind of stuff. I think that that's science, and I love science, and that stuff's pretty cool. And, I mean, fish are smart. Yeah, and they have their tendencies, and they have their personalities, and you just yeah. got to figure it out, right? That's right. Yeah, they they have a, they have tendencies or, or patterns, mm-hmm. um, and there's a formula. There is there's a science to fishing. There there's definitely a science to where these fish go, what they eat, when they eat, and and how to get them to bite. And even how they how they eat, like you know, like a snook is just going to slam the bait. They're just going to take it. You know, yeah. that's why you like to use the circle hooks because you don't have to set it. Right. They're going to take it and it's going to set itself. Right. Same thing with a red, right? As uh, opposed to a snapper. The is, is, is a little bit, uh, they still hit hard. They will hit hard, but their mm-hmm. mouth is in a different location. Their mouth doesn't open the same way as snook. A snook's mouth opens really large. Uh, redfish has the mouth on the bottom of its, of its head. Right. Um, it can still open fairly large, but, you know, they have to position, they have to turn themselves sometimes a little bit to get up or to get this lure. Right. Um, if you're on the surface, on the top water. So I am not recalling an instance where I've caught a redfish on top water. Um, it is quite, uh, it's quite a catch when you get one, I've heard, but I have, can't say I've caught one on top water. That just sounds like a lot of fun because you see that tail poke up, you see that eye. That would be kind of cool. Any fish you catch on top water is fun. Oh, sure. When you see this thing explode the surface and hit it, it's it's exciting. Well, it, and, it and there's tons of videos yeah. on YouTube in our area yeah. where people are just showing how easy it is to, you know, catch topwater, you know, so yeah. that's that's the way it is, you know. But, um, well, at least you had a good time, man. You went out there, did a great job, hit those waters hard, yeah. and uh, did it. 
right? Yeah, I, I look forward to doing it again. Um, I love I love this tournament. You know, I, I thank the sponsors that, that are all over my shirt. Um, and by the way, this tournament does does uh, donate proceeds to the Candlelighters of Southwest Florida. So they do. It is a good charity cause tournament. Um, you know, and it's just a lot of fun. You know, hopefully there'll be more people involved next year, every you're, year. You're still an asshole because you eat meat. You're not vegan. Yeah. Well, Come on, man. So what? And we're going to talk about that later, but fuck. But I eat fish. It's How dare meat. you? I'm sorry? It's good meat. Fish. It, yeah. It's is possibly some of the best meat you could eat. Some of the most nutritional food in the world. Yeah. And, and shellfish as well. However, you're not plant strong. You're not a vegan. Well, How dare you? Yeah. You're, you low life piece of shit. Right. Ah, uh, you know, anyway. But, um, you know, speaking about that, we, we talked about the, the Hobie kayak. You have those pedal drives, yep. which are go back and forth. You push them back and forth. You're talking about switching out kayaks. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to make a jump from Hobie to Jackson. Um, I really like the Jackson setups. Uh, they, they, while Hobie makes a fishing rigged kayak, um, it, it's very pricey. They're all very pricey. Sure. But they, um, it's very bulky. I think the pro angler that Hobie has is a very bulky kayak. Um, but the, the Jackson is also bulky. I just like the setup that they have better on the Jacksons. Um, well, I mean, you can catch anything on a Hobie too. I mean, we have people that talk about catching tarpon off of those. Yeah. You know, well, Hobie's. They catch them off Jacksons. They catch, you know, catch a, you, if you want to go after it, you can get after it. Well, I think the cool thing that you were talking about earlier is that the, 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 the paddle drive mm-hmm. comes up underneath the boat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's be honest. You know, it's Christmas morning when you go out and fish. It's Christmas night, the night mm-hmm. before. whole lot of work on Christmas night to wrap that present and put them underneath the tree and pretend that you're Santa Claus. Christmas morning when you get out there on the water and you catch some fish. It's not a whole lot of fun to get everything in the water and put in your paddle drive when you can just pull it out from underneath the kayak. It's nicer. It's easier. It's quicker. It's more convenient, you know, and that sounds like a, the way to go to me. It sounds pretty awesome. Well, yeah. Um, uh, to, just to, to give a little bit of a understanding as to what we're talking about, the Hobie uses fins that go through the hull attached to the, the pedals or these two, the two stems that stick up that work like levers. You use your feet to push to kind of, to, to almost like a stepper. And right. the, the Jacksons use more of a propeller drive, which is more of a cycle drive. And it spins the propeller on the bottom. These, the, the, and it's, it's new for the la- in the last few years for Jackson to have these. They, um, they added or they, they adopted this model from the old, like an old, a, um, a native kayak was the first one that I saw have this, where it did drop through the hole. You had mm-hmm. to drop the propeller and the pedals through the hole. And with the propeller, it had to be facing a certain direction to go through the hole in the hole. Mm-hmm. And then same thing to pull it back out. It was real pain in the butt. And once it was in, if you came, ran through some shallow water, you would have to pull that thing back out. You'd have to back yourself Yeah, you physically have you to pull it up. Stuck. Yeah, Whereas the Hobie, you propeller. just split the fins. Yes, the, the Hobie, you just split your feet apart. The fins will tuck up against the boat. And then you can usually get through most of the water unless it gets real shallow. Like I've been in before, you have to hop out and drag it. Right. Um, but that was really easy. And, now, and the fins, the fins on the Hobie... 
They're they're kind of like this. They're like penguin fins. They're like penguin fins, yeah. And, and that's they the go, idea. And, and they flutter all that's the way, right. full 180 that's right. degrees. From so one they side fold the up other. like that, and then they, yeah. Um, which is kind of cool. You can move pretty quickly with those. Oh yeah. And uh, the Jackson has a propeller. Yeah. Like a multi-directional a propeller. propeller. You can go yeah. forward, backward, and, and it now folds up. it just tucks up into the hole. It don't yeah, you don't have to cool. pull it out. Each and every time you get into shallow water or get in and out of the water, it that's just nice. tucks up in there. So that's nice. But you know, on top on the deck of the of the of the kayak, there's a lot of uh, storage and fishing mods that, that are set up and ready to 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 go out and catch fish. Um, yeah, and from a physical therapy perspective, however, the the penguin fins, mm. the Hobie paddle drive, is it paddle drive or pedal drive? Pedal. Pedal, pedal drive. drive, okay. Yeah. The um, Hobie pedal drive, you're going to be engaging uh, basically your entire lower body from your back right. through your hips, through your knees, through your ankles. So all those muscles, you're going to be engaging them. So you're going to get a great workout on those. Um, and if you're paddling, you know, just traditional kayak paddling, now you've got a full body workout, which some people may appreciate. You know, for my son... That was one of the reasons why I got a Hobie kayak because I'm hoping he gets out on the water and it helps him, you know, develop some strength and retain that strength and, and, and maintains a, a carryover to his functionality. Now, when it comes to the Jackson, which is more like a, a bike, right? Okay. The bike is more knee and ankle based. It's especially emphasizes the knee. So you're not going to get the hip as much unless you figure out a way to straighten out your body a little bit and to push through the hips. So it's the same concept of being on an upright bike, the ones you sit on and you're either sitting nice and tall, okay, or you lean forward. If you're not standing up on them, you're not getting your hips. You're getting mostly your knees and a little bit of ankle, and you're going to emphasize your quadriceps, which is in the front of your thighs, which is great to a degree. But if you're a mountain biker and you're getting up and you're pedaling on that, you know, standing up and pedaling, you're getting your hips now, okay? And if you're looking to get a good workout and develop your hips or your lower back, that's the way to go. So Hobie, more full body workout. Jackson, more convenient, uh, better access probably, and, but it's going to emphasize the knees a little bit more just from a physical therapy perspective. Sorry, I had to plug that. Hey, that's great, yeah. I mean, anything to get, to get some physical activity. You know, and, and that, and I do like the Hobies. I, I, I would prefer to get my hips involved and to have a little bit more of that lower body. Um, but again, I, I like the whole design and I like the Jacksons just a little bit more. Well, you also, but they do make the, the pedal drives now that you can like just, you know, spin it around and just, you don't have to take it out now, yeah. turn around like you have to yeah. now. Um, what would be cool is if it too could fold up under the bottom. You know, right. if they're going to keep up with Jackson, that's probably a way to go. And they're probably trying to figure that out. Yeah. But that would be cool if they could do that. I'm um, trying to think of some of the, the newer design that I saw, and I think it's more the rudder. I think the rudder is more built into the hull um, uh, than, yeah. than the pedals. But I know that I've seen something. The last time I was up at Estero River Outfitters, I saw their, their, new, their display kayak had a new, a new Mirage Drive in it so i haven't done a lot of uh, a lot of research or trial on that but it's there it's fun it's neat to see how they continue to to change get better and more convenient by the way we need to uh, send a shout out to stero um 
Oh, I'm sorry. Stero River Outfitters. Stero River Outfitters. That is an awesome place to go. I haven't been there in a long time. The owner's there. It's a family-owned business. Uh, the brothers pretty much run it now. Um, great place to go great and place. learn all about kayaking. They, they're not really interested. They'll, they want to sell you a kayak, but they're more interested in you learning. Right. They want you to learn and enjoy the water, rent a couple times if you need to. They'll go over everything with you. Um, they're just, just a great you know, local family-owned business to uh, get you on the water and enjoy life, enjoy nature. So yeah. got to plug got them a, a little bit. That, that's great business. they a beautiful location oh, on yeah. the Estero River, right by the Correction State Park. Uh, it's a great place to go out and paddle. You can go, you can go out towards the Gulf where it opens up a little bit more into to open water, open, open river. Um, but that Correction area is really neat. You see some yeah. old-time-looking Florida trees covering the pathway or the waterway. Um, if you go upriver, it's the same thing. It gets more narrow. Trees are just hanging over you. It's really cool. Um, and it's a great time for the family. It, it is. It's a great time to go out there. And if you want a little bit of um, history, you go to the Christian State Park and you can learn about the craziness of the hollow earth theory, which yeah. I'll talk about it maybe in another episode or so. But Maybe we can have somebody interview for that, too. Maybe. You but, know, I was, uh, was going to mention earlier, um, when I was talking about the Calusa Indians, uh-huh. um, that along the Blue Way, there's a, an island called Mound Key. This is in Estero Bay out, yeah. uh, between Fort Myers Beach and, and the mainland. Um, and you can paddle out to there from Lover's Key or from a few other drop spots in the, in the region and walk along the trail. You get there, walk along the trail. It's the highest location... In Lee County, um, elevation, I should say, the, uh, the highest elevation in Lee County, 30-some feet. And it's believed to be where the Calusa Indians' capital, it was like their, their, supposedly their capital, where they, where they would build, they built it up with shelves. Uh, they made the mound higher than, than it had originally been. So mm-hmm. that they could see, uh, the idea is that they could see invaders coming in, the Spanish. Um, but what I saw there uh, when I was walking the trail is... They, they explained how the Koreshans, when they were kind of driven out or left Koreshan area, their state, their, their area where they were, some of them went to Mount Key and actually integrated with the Indians, with the Calusa Indians. Oh, really? And that was when they were leaving. That was when they were, that was when they were leaving. Because they were leaving voluntarily. Right. You know, and so then some of them decided to integrate themselves with right. the some Indians. Right, some of them made it out there, integrated with the Indians, cool. and in fact... They had actually still, some of the people still lived there up until more recently in the 60s or 70s. Sure. They were still living out there. Oh, neat. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. I saw that when I was on the island. It, it tells you a little bit of, along the walkway. That's pretty, it's pretty hilarious to think in Florida, there's no mountains. We barely have <laughs> hills, you know, hills, 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 but we have a mount. We have a mount. The highest point in Lee County. 33 feet, I believe. Maybe yeah. 37. Above sea level. Above sea level. The rest of South Florida is negative 40 <laughs> feet yep. below sea level. Um, again, it's that fucking climate change. And I'm not right. being sarcastic about that. Climate change is real. But anyway, so that was a cool history lesson. Stereo Outfitters, you guys get a chance to go out there. Go out there at those brothers they're, they're great. The whole the whole staff is great. They've got a couple of uh, professional fishermen out there too. They that, do. Yeah. That you can learn from. Yeah. Um, 
and I, uh, I, I also want to take some time because I know we're winding down right now. I want to send a shout out to our boy Vinny. I'm not going to mention his last name, but Vinny told us about a pizzeria. You know, he's Italian. He's a mm. real Italian. From New York. From New York, who lives, you know, outside of New York or in Manhattan. He worked in Manhattan for sure. He knows what real pizza tastes like, okay? He, he, he basically said, go to Sicily Trattoria. Is that, is that right? That I think sounds that's right. Yeah, I think that's the place he said. I don't know. He was speaking a little quickly in that, in that Italian accent. I, I mean, I think that's the place. And um, it was awesome. I had pizza there last night. Oh, you had, did? Oh, yeah. Oh, geez. I was going to say, well, why don't we wrap this up? And actually, I'm really hungry. Well. <laughs> we should go over there. Well, I mean, I got to get home. You know, my wife's going to kill me. But you can go there. She won't listen to this for a few months yet. That's true. Yeah, I just tell her that we're still uh, talking. But uh, I had the Sicilian. We had the Sicilian with pepperoni. Okay. Uh, they charge you extra for the toppings, like two, three bucks, and the pizzas are like the pies are like fifteen. Now, now Benny bucks. said he was a bit of a purist, and he doesn't really like uh, too many toppings anyway. Right. I, I wondered maybe two or three bucks a topping. I would probably just give me the pie. Well, and, cheese. And, yeah. So one, we got we got two pies. One was a Sicilian with you know pepperoni and cheese. That's all it was. One was um, a meatball and mushroom. Which I'm a big fan of mushroom on my pizza, mm-hmm. and oh man, those pizzas! Uh, mushroom on anything, actually. You converted me into a mushroom mushroom head. Yeah, you should be. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that the pizza was awesome. The uh, meatball and mushroom was your traditional New York style pizza. If you like New York style pizza, it was it was great. The sauce was it was the certainly he said the best pizza. And in this area, yeah, since he's moved down here, yeah, and it was, I, you know, we've lived down here for a long time. You know how picky I am, very picky, and certainly the best pizza I've had down here. Okay, it was I'm awesome. Have to try it out. The Sicilian, you're going to appreciate this. The outer edges of the Sicilian was crispy. Mm-hmm. It was just oh, so delicious. And then the center part of that Sicilian, the dough was just so fluffy and so... Oh, yeah. That's good. Oh, and the, I, can't, I just can't speak enough about it. So shout out to Vinny for recommending uh, Sicily Trattoria. Uh, great, great restaurant. Um, oh, the food was awesome. I, I'm going to try to... I, I think that'll probably be the place I go or my okay. go-to from now on. They don't deliver, but no. I don't care. I'll make the trek over and... Uh, Get some pies. And it's probably what ten minutes, if that, from your house. Yeah, it's not too far. Yeah. But you know, and then also, it's, you know, with two pies, it was forty bucks. Yeah. Okay. Pizza is getting pretty expensive nowadays. It was pretty expensive, but again, two three dollars per topping. Yeah. So, but worth it. Totally worth it. That 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 pizza was was unbelievably good. So if you haven't had it, try it. Check it out. Um, I'm going to congratulate Vinny and thank him, and I'm going to ask him for more more opinions. Cause that, and he knows how to cook, too, by the way. So, you know, I'm going to go to him for my food advice from now on. But um, I want to send a shout-out to him. Well, you leave me wanting pizza now, and oh. that's not on my regular diet plan. I know. And um, Well, I haven't had pizza in a long time. Oh, that's And good. I'll tell you right now, we've talked about this before. We're, we're low-carb individuals. Um, totally worth it. Yeah. If you're going to eat a carbohydrate, it better be worth it. Yeah, exactly. Totally worth it. And I'll tell you another thing. Um, we've talked about this before. When you eat, when, you're, when you don't have carbohydrates on a regular basis and you eat something with a carbohydrate, it's hard to stop. Mm-hmm. Certainly hard to stop to eat that pizza last night. Oh, yeah. 
Don't know yeah. if it was the carbohydrate, but it was it was definitely worth it. And then you feel bloated, you feel like crap right afterwards for the rest of the night, and then you're usually you know ten pounds heavier. At least I am. Right the next day. Didn't have any of that. Wow. Didn't have any of that. And, and, and maybe it's what Vinny was saying. Vinny was saying they filter their own water. They make their own marinara fresh. They don't put a bunch of sugar in it. So maybe it was just had to, had to do with the ingredients. Maybe the, uh, the, the grains, the breads, weren't the U.S.-based GMO crap that we have. Maybe it was uh, more of the heirloom grains that they, that they get from Italy. I don't know that necessarily, but I'm going to ask them. Yeah, but I did not feel crappy afterwards. I did not gain that extra ten pounds, and I pigged out. It was delicious. Oh, good. I'm definitely gonna have to check that out. I don't know if I'll make it tonight, um, but it sounds really good. You know, next time we podcast, maybe I'll uh, stop I by was, and grab a pie. I was hoping you were gonna bring food to this podcast. Well, you want the tater tots? Not the tater tots. Okay. I was hoping for some something. But then we, we got together about 1 o'clock, one thirty, And yeah. here now we're sitting, it's like 5.30. And uh, yeah, I was hungry then. I snacked a little bit. Now I'm ready for some good, hot food. Yeah, me too. But, you know, nevertheless, you know, had a good day. Had a great day. Um, yeah. So that, that, I think that's going to wrap it up, right? You know, before we do wrap up, I can't let two shout-outs go go uh without without saying thank you and shouting out to to brian at golf coast kayaks and matt lachey um, they were another sponsor of the Pecalusa blue way tournament so again thank you brian thank uh golf coast kayaks um for their for their part in the tournament and they allowed people to launch from their site they're right on the water uh again they rent out kayaks um daily uh, they never shut down through the pandemic because getting outside, being away from people was a great way to spend time. Well, isolated. that's a breezy area. I mean, that it's place is beautiful area. to go. Yeah. Um, in fact, from, to my understanding, it's, it's been, it's been quite popular. It's very, and in fact, it's very hard to get anything now that's, uh, outdoors based, be a kayak or, um, a bicycle, like if you're trying to buy from the from the manufacturers anyway, there's they're backed up and you're waiting for a long time. You can't even get a bicycle. But, uh, there's yeah, it's tough to get a bicycle. People are waiting like 12 weeks or more to get bicycles. Oh um, man! If you go up to like go to if you like I went to U.S. Marine I think and they were completely just just out of kayaks. They usually have them all stacked up on the wall. They had none, no none on the wall. There's a few that were off of the wall, but I mean if they had six total, that that was it. How about paddle boards? Paddle boards, same thing. Paddle boards out are, of paddle are, boards, are, out of kayaks, yeah. no bicycles, but they had a shitload of unicycles. A lot of unicycles. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so Gulf Coast Kayak, Stair River Outfitters, mm-hmm. you know, I just encourage everybody to get outside, get on the water, yeah. go fishing, or just take pictures. Who Enjoy. cares if you catch anything, man? Just, yeah. you know, do what uh, Thomas Edison did. You know, he, he would tell his wife he's going to go fishing, he'd go at the end of his dock throw his line out, and sit there. Now, come to find out, he never even put a hook on his line. He was just out there enjoying nature and also thinking about his next invention. Right. Um, Pretty similar to a lot of the geniuses in this world who spend time just thinking. But just go out there, especially if you got loved ones, man. There's nothing better than going outside and enjoying the environment with your loved ones. Take your family out, get them on the water, put the plug in the boat. Yeah. 
That's right. Always put the plugs in the boat. <laughs> well, we're gonna talk. We're gonna get to that story. Don't worry. We'll okay. get to it. I but uh, to hear that story. Yeah, I I initially told you I didn't want to tell anybody that story other than you. But you know, we're gonna keep people in suspense, and we will tell that story. Pretty embarrassing. Um, now before we wrap up, I want to do the uh, usual year long thank you. I'd like to thank you, Joe Rogan, for providing inspiration for the podcast. I'd like to thank Sean Carroll for um, providing me or illuminating, that's a good word, right? Illuminating uh, science to me and, and also encouraging me to podcast. I'd like to thank Adam Meekins. Love that fucking guy. He's great. He's a hefty individual with a lot of spunk and um, I can't wait. I, I, I can't wait to take a course with him actually, you know, to be honest with you, with him or Greg Lehman. They're both great great people, um, or seem to be. Now, I love listening to them. When he gives a course, does he instruct his courses in the same, uh, with the same mannerisms as he does on his podcast? I would like to think so. <laughs> I would that love would to think so. That would be a course. He's a no, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, he's a no-bullshit guy. He's straight up, um, honest, evidence-based. Um, you know, ain't nothing wrong with getting strong. So... Just want to say thank you to those individuals, uh, and I also want to say thank you to Sam Harris. Sam Harris is, uh, has been a big influence uh, on my life as well. Uh, I really enjoy his uh, perspective and his uh, philosophical direction, his logical rationality. If I'm going to make shit up, I might as well say that. His logical rationality. So those people that we mentioned, I want to say thank you to you because you're what inspired um, Jay and I to go ahead and do this. So thanks everybody. Appreciate you and take it easy. Get on the water and have a great day. Great time. Bye. All right. Thank you.